there seems to be this theme that keeps coming up that we keep discussing and we're just talking about the long game of faith and how God really rebuilds our stories. And one of the things that I wanted to bring up for listeners is that like Susanna and I don't have it all together, for sure not. So we just wanted to dive in and talk about the long game of faith and how do you stay focused and how do you stay in the story on what feels like a Saturday? You know, things have died on Friday, like Jesus died. He wasn't resurrected until Sunday. But where do you, how do you live well in the Saturday? So. When you find yourself between here and there, the now and the then, it can feel difficult to embrace life and all that it has to offer, especially when you feel like you haven't arrived yet. Wherever you're at though, we wanna help in that beautiful struggle of transitioning well through aspects of faith and life with The Places Between, a podcast all about transitions. Hi, I'm your host, Wendy. I'm a storyteller and a creative with a passion for adventure, fitness, and faith. What began as a love for travel, experiences, and community turned into helping clients around the country tell their own stories and inviting others to join them. I've always been passionate about people fully living. That means navigating those places between, opening up a safe space to have conversations and encouraging growth along the journey. So join me as we explore what it's like to transition well on the places between. Susanna, let's dive in. Absolutely. Yeah, I was talking to a young woman a few nights ago, and she had brought up that she's living in the Saturday and how painful it is and really having to grieve some of the things that she would have thought would have happened by now for her. And I've got to be, I'm quite a bit older than her and I can relate to that experience. Definitely. And I think part of the long game of faith that I think is really helpful in helping us not get stuck spiritually is really being honest about God, with God, about the things that hurt, about the things that hurt and inviting him into the healing of the things that maybe we blame him for. Maybe the things that were like, God, you're not active in this. And really asking the Lord to give us his perspective, mm-hmm. help us see with his eyes and actually grieve with him. Mm-hmm. Picture sitting with Jesus and asking for his comfort. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's really helpful. I think sometimes spiritual platitudes can be really damaging. Tell me, what does that mean to you? So like a platitude, like um, really extreme example for me. I had a very good friend die of cancer very young and it was really horrible. And I was in the room when he passed and it was very, very tragic. And I remember Christian's response to me were, well, all our days are numbered or for the wife. I hope she doesn't get bitter. And those are Christian responses to a 33 year old dying of brain cancer. I don't think that's a godly response. Like somebody else saying, well, you're not praying enough. Yeah, that's another one. And when we gloss over pain, it really, it's the unwillingness to invest deeply in someone's pain and to give people the time to grieve. So that would be an example for me that was just really jarring in my own life. I think 
And I had a really, I was thinking about this as we were going to talk. I had a really talking about not having it all together. Right. So I've always known Jesus pretty much grew up, you know, had a really intense relationship with Jesus as a little girl. And part of that was because I had clinical depression and the Holy Spirit was like, I just felt really connected to the Holy Spirit in that pain and in that grief. And so I think that has helped me through life because I knew that little girl that was so sad and so broken Mm -hmm. felt really connected to Jesus. I mean, that still blows my mind. But when I was, gosh, maybe 25, it's a really hard time for my depression and some things had happened that made Christian men and God really unsafe to me. I was still going to church and I was still seeking the Lord. It's like that balance of, I know it's true somewhere in me, but anyone who's Christian is really scary. So I was dating a guy at the time and I was sleeping with him because I kind of thought, well, in order to date this guy, I need to be sleeping with him. Obviously, like that was like the transaction in order to get him to love me. I needed to be having sex with him. And I remember I went to a church service one night and this woman was speaking and she, she had this big transformation in life, right? A conversion story. And she immediately, she had been living with her boyfriend. She immediately kicked him out or something and stopped sleeping and like dramatically changed her life. And she was really open about sexual brokenness. And so all these girls, you know, line up at the end of her talk to get prayer, you know, and I was one of the last in line and I was so, I was so ill with depression. Like, I think you remember that season where the, the, my mental illness just kind of like skyrocketed and on paper, it looked really good, like job and TV, like, but I was so sick and I was so broken and I walked up to her and I, you know, shared this, you know, this struggle I was having because I really loved this guy and. And what, and she was so cold. And I remember it makes me want to cry because I, not so much for me, but I think about the experience of this, a young 25 and she was so cold and she said, well, you just need to stop sleeping with him. And yes, she was right. But we have to be able to look at the person mm-hmm. and meet them in their pain because it was so mean, like it felt so mean. Yeah. And here I had just shared something that I was actually really embarrassed about. And so what did it make me do? It actually made me dive deeper into accountability on my part for that, obviously, but it made me dive deeper into a relationship with him because he was kind to me during that season of my life. And he was, who was telling me I was beautiful and we dove deeper in a relationship and he needed a place to stay and he ended up living in my apartment. And then I ended up marrying him, you know, and then getting divorced. But like, I think we really have to watch our tone and our tenderness towards people. Absolutely. I will say, thankfully, that is not how every Christian and not at all. I mean, that are like, I knew it. This is my treatment all the time. I knew it wasn't any good. I will say because of the brokenness of man, there's a lot of times that we as quote unquote believers will experience the hurt and the rejection of other people that are in leadership positions. Yes. I also know that as like, I try to live out my faith and I have other awesome godly examples like Susanna, some of my other best friends from school, people that I've surrounded myself with now that it's like, we all take this belief that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. I mean, that's what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And truly walking through a journey with someone of, you know, I'm not going to tell you all the wrong things of your life based off of where I'm at spiritually, 
I'm going to come alongside of you and walk with you and within your brokenness, see like, where can I meet you and help along in the journey? Because I think like what you were saying a few minutes ago about the platitudes of like just rattling those off, like, unfortunately, that causes so many people just to turn the other way. So what I want to know is how do we stay in that long game of faith when stuff like that happens? Because it does happen. So we can't just give up on the church and think all leaders are terrible and be like, it's me and God. I know way too many people that are like, well, my faith is personal and it is, but to somewhere come along the journey with other people to be like, I realize that the church can be broken, but I'm going to try my best to find those people get me and understand and journey with me. Yeah. You know how I talk about, I think I've talked to you about this before. I, in my healing from depression, and that kind of thing, when I was still struggling, one of the best ways to deal with it was like this triangle of like physical exercise. So do we know that creates endorphins to help those chemicals in my brain medication, which was for me, not for everybody, but for some, and there should be no shame in people Mm. needing to take medication for depression or anxiety. And then there was a third component and that was therapy Mm. for me. And so you're working in that triangle of healing. And in from those three different aspects. And I kind of feel the same way about the long game of faith. Mm-hmm. This right here, the word, you really have to be in it. And I would say healthy hermeneutics is a really big part of it. This can totally be used as a weapon. We know because Satan did, you know? So when we read the Bible, we want to invite the Holy Spirit in and really ask. I think John Bevere talks about this. Really ask every time we open the word to read. Holy Spirit, help me understand. Mm-hmm. Help me see. So that's important. Our prayer life is an important component because mm-hmm. that's our interaction with the Lord. And then thirdly is community. Community is huge. Community really changed my life. And that's God-based community. Like- God-based community, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That and healthy brothers and sisters. Yeah. And I'm not saying perfect brothers and sisters, but healthy is important. And why is that so important? Like, I don't want that to come across like we don't allow people in when they're broken. We do. I'm talking about, I think to me, when I think of unhealthy community, I think of unhealthy community in the sense that people put, you're here, God's here. People put themselves here. But for those that are listening that don't. Oh yeah, sorry. You're on one side. Somebody else is on the other side. And then people put. Yeah. So if we have God on one side ourselves on the other side, and then people put themselves in the middle between us and God. I think that when I talk about unhealthy community, I think that's what it is. Sure. Or even just, and I was thinking about this recently, being somebody that's not just in my twenties anymore, Mm -hmm. you start to notice, you know, they say, show me your friends and I'll show you like where you're going. And you become the most like the five to 10 people around you. So if you think about your own life, for those that are listening and think about friends that are closest to you, are you making choices that you're waking up thinking, man, I wish I wouldn't have made that choice. And then even when you go get advice from people, what I've had to even consider, like I'm a fairly open book. So I'll talk about like everything under the sun with anyone, which I love being able to do that. 
but also having to pull my heart back a little bit and not ask everyone for advice because people love giving advice. But sometimes knowing that certain lifestyles that people chase after, they're giving advice, you're going, "Mm, but I don't live the same lifestyle as you. So really just like guarding who we get advice from, but doing life with everyone. Totally. I think um, we had talked a little about like what keeps us from thinking about something about like, how do I not let the world get involved? Mm-hmm. You know? Or how do I, what was that? What, what were we talking about? Well, in light of what we're going through, just all of the crazy, yeah. like how do you not get caught up in what the world is focusing on? I know it's weird because I was trying to like be like, how? I just don't. I mean, I'm not on Facebook a lot. I know this is going out somewhere in there. I'm not on Facebook a lot. I'm not on Instagram a lot. And I think I don't find them the most healthy places. So that is a really, like I'll post pictures of my kids, but I'm not really surfing stuff too much. There are people that I find edifying spiritually that I might follow, but otherwise I just really, I don't get my news from there. I don't get anything from there. And even a a really good friend of our small group, he's like the head of neuroscience somewhere at a college. And he had said to us, you know, because obviously people talk a lot about news and what's going on in the world. And he said, don't read anything unless it really takes you time to read an actual article. So his rule is if it takes you under four minutes to read, this is not truth or not. This is just his advice. And I really took a chart. If it takes you less than four minutes to read, don't read it. Because it's just, it's it's never going to give you a full story. Mm -hmm. It's going to give you one side or the other. So really taking your time. So like my husband reads a lot of books and things like that. And that helps him, you know, we just kind of have this policy in our house that we're not going to get a lot of information or thing from there. If we're looking for information about the world, we want to get it, you know, from a different kind of investment level. And it, it really helps me stay focused because when the voices that are loudest, I think might be worship music or the word of God or my prayer circles, Mm -hmm. or even, you know, I have a lot of non-Christian friends and I have a lot of healthy non-Christian friends that are like some of the best people I know. And so they're also my life. So I think that's really part of it. And God tells us to, right? Jesus is like, fix my eyes on me. I don't want to be an ostrich in the sand and not pay attention, but I want to fix my eyes on Jesus. And so much that freaks us out and scares us is really vapor. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about some of the things that have happened over the years, you know, Y2K, <laughs> right, would be a good example of how much fear and anxiety and stress and really inner turmoil and pain and bad decision making people did during that season. And yet here we are, you know, 20 years later, 20 years later, the computers didn't shut down. We still, you know what I mean? Well, and even just thinking, so backing up a little, and then I do want to talk about like courage in the face of fear. I went through a season where I noticed my thought life based off of spending more time on social media and where it was positioning me Mm -hmm. based off of who I followed. And there's a lot of great accounts to follow. And when you're like into fitness or healthy living, some of these accounts are super fun. But I also noticed some other accounts that every time I would see something, it would take me down a rabbit hole and then I would end up not feeling that great. Yeah. So it's recognizing that 
when that trigger goes off or that unhealthy thought to be like, I probably don't need to check this person's account every day. I probably don't need to pay attention to that influencer that is posting perfect workouts with a perfect body. I probably don't need to pay attention to that person because they caused me to stumble, you know? And then exactly what you said for music, for me, I love all types of genres. I really am into country lately. However, I also know my own thoughts and I know like what comes at me on a daily basis through like news headlines and just like other hearsay in the office. And I really try to listen to worship 24 seven because I don't trust my thoughts. It's not that like my thoughts aren't God thoughts, but I don't trust what's trying to come in and at me. Having worship where it's like subtly in the background and you hear a line of somebody singing about God's faithfulness. Yeah, it can stuck in there. Like he is faithful or it just helps. It brings up the energy. It helps bring up your focus, your joy. Absolutely. It's like huge to me. It's the only music I listen to Mm -hmm. because I'm big and like every day we can grow closer to the Lord or further away from the Lord. No, nothing stagnant. So it's not that, I mean, listen to music. That's not that it's wrong for people to. It's just for me, I want it when I sing, when I hear music, I want it to be edifying and joyful. There is so much joy in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And even in the experiences of what's happening today in the world, it's like the world's always been crazy. You know, when they were burning Christians, like there's so much darkness in the world that I think was often happening always. Now we have access to seeing more. And I have to say, I feel like my husband and I get to a, a little cheat a little bit in that, in that my husband works, you know, he's a businessman in entertainment, you know, and I've always worked in entertainment and he's as a writer. So he knows the workings of entertainment and news and their job is to get viewership. And so not that that's wrong. It's just, it gives us a little bit of a wider perspective, I think sometimes. Well, and you think about people in other countries that maybe don't have access to all that's going on. And you think they'd be so happy in a little hut in a little village that's 200 miles outside of Mumbai. And you think, oh, because they're surrounded by like their little community. They don't know anything different. They're not on their cell phones all day seeing the disasters going on. They have their mom, their dad, their kids. And yes, there's incredible hardships. Mm -hmm. But when you get to experience other cultures and communities and you get to see the joy they yeah. know how to really experience joy and laughter and embracing like the moment. Yeah. It's very hard for me, you know, and stuff I have to repent on because it's very hard for me to not give people the grace. To, to, like, I want to be like, don't you know that it's not edifying to you to be at your phone on your phone all the time? Don't you know that it's not healthy to be in this thing? Mm-hmm. You know, and don't you know it's it's not healthy to be on your computer reading, like going down the rabbit hole of things. It's not healthy. It's not what God wants. Mm-hmm. But we really have to give grace because I think if we're in those places where we are on the internet hours and hours a day, and it's not like our job, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but if we're on the internet hours and hours a day, or we're staying up really late to look at the internet and to read things rather than sleep, I think it's really escapism. And I think it's really not dealing with the things Mm -hmm. that are hurting or not dealing with the anxiety. And, you know, I'm an internal investigator. I want 
to clear up all the brokenness in me. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that is the grace of God. And some of that came from having struggling with mental illness as a little girl. But I want, I want to be as healthy internally as God wants me to be mm-hmm. and as whole. But I, I have to really work on having grace, grace for people in those situations. Absolutely. Well, and for those that are listening, if you're potentially sitting there, you're going, man, I'm one of those people I can't get away from the news or I could use a little more joy in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, taking a moment back to actually survey what's going on in your life and how can you, not in a legalistic relationship, mm-hmm. no. how can you start to lay some of these things aside and really try to focus on what is it that brings you joy in your life? Mm-hmm. Not temporary joy or temporary pleasure, but like, what is, what is it that you could do to enhance the sense of peace and the inner joy, for lack of a better word, of just like things are good, like focusing on more worship, focusing on scripture, focusing on the relationships that you have and even getting outside your own comfort zone to like meet other people and dive into other things. And for those that are listening, if you're in a hard season, that's just a part of your life. It's not your whole life. It's Susanna and I have talked a lot about redemption in our own stories. And one of the things I wanted to ask Susanna about was like, how do you choose to have courage in the face of fear? Because courage is not the absence of fear, right? Right. It's the choice to have faith in the midst of the impossible and the triumph over fear that God, like that he can and he will redeem every single thing. Yeah. I think, um, that's really good. I was thinking about, I don't remember if I've already shared this, but I was thinking about the seasons of my life that have been really fearful. And there were a few in particular where I would just lay in bed and would just, Jesus, God loved me. God loved me. I was just so scared. Mm -hmm. And then another time during a season in my life, I had this, was living in this little studio apartment. I would sit in my closet and I would just say, Jesus, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Mm-hmm. And really the Holy Spirit would come and the fear would eventually dissipate, you know? And some people could say, well, you just stop feeling so intensely fearful in that moment, which I understand. But I think the thing that stopped me from feeling so intensely fearful was God. <laughs> so I think that that helped me walk through those times that I was like so desperately afraid. And when I came out of my first marriage, I was like a shell of a person. Mm -hmm. I was terrified. I was jumpy. I was scared. I was so scared. And I think what carried me through was the ability to be honest with God Mm -hmm. and the the ability to kind kind of beg. And I think God really meets us always. But in those moments of desperation where God says, I am near to the brokenhearted, I think he is. So I think that ability to be so desperately broken open and begging for God. And then also, who does God tell to be like courageous and strong three times really quickly? I'm near to the brokenhearted. It also says, I lift up those crushed in spirit. spirit. Oh, I know. It's so good. And God totally means it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's what so blows my mind has been that I've gotten to tangibly experience that. 
and changes my life, even in the good times, you know, but who does he say be courageous and strong over and over? It's like three times really close in a row. So I think too, like what I love is that God is like, I know you're going to get scared. (laughs) Like I know life is scary. I'm telling you to be courageous and strong because I know you're feeling scared and weak. Totally. And it says there's people that, and I've heard this a ton of times, so I'm only repeating it. Sorry, listeners, if you've already heard this, there's a do not fear in the Bible one for every day of the year. Mm. Oh, I didn't know. I've never heard that. That gives me chills. And okay. So in Mark 14, when Jesus is praying and he's talking about his heart being overwhelmed to the point of death, he also turns and fosters his heart to actually face his purpose. And it's like, he carries out God's will to be like the joy set before him. We're his joy. us. Like he died for us. And we can actually know that Jesus experienced every deep emotion, every deep pain. I think that would be a conversation for another. Yeah, that's huge. Like, did he really experience fear? Yeah. The experience rejection. I think it's the Garden of Gethsemane. I think there was a fair amount of fear for sure. Because so, he was fully human, but he was also fully God and he knew his purpose. Which- and that is hard for me. Like I even say for me, that statement of he's faced every so-and-so, that's hard for me to even accept, to be honest. It's hard to understand. Yeah, it's hard to understand. And so I think when they're meaning that, They're meaning biblically every, like the temptation, like that he's experienced the temptations, all the temptations that we would experience, but also that that is the response to that can sometimes be, well, he's, this has never happened to Jesus or Jesus never lost his children or so-and-so, you know, people can get so drawn in on the specifics, but what the Bible is communicating is Christ knows deep human suffering. Yeah. And deep human sorrow. Mm -hmm. And I would say that God experiences, because he's in us closer than our breath, he experiences our grief with us. You know, I know people that have lost children and spouses and people can, you know, someone say, well, Jesus never watched his wife pass away. Oh, but God is with us in our grieving and in our suffering. And Christ on this earth understood human suffering in such an intense way. Totally. And not to gloss over that, but looking at God's redemption of it all and the reason that Jesus came to set us free. Yeah. And I pulled up a couple of scriptures just to remind people of whatever season of life they're in. You might be listening and you might be in a season that you're like experiencing extreme joy. So I apologize for like a sad episode. When we go through seasons of joy, I think we can also look back to seasons of suffering or seasons of sadness and be like, oh, I remember what that was like. And I think experiencing God's redemption full circle in Psalm 130, Psalm 130 verse seven, it says, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is loving kindness, and with him is abundant redemption. And then in Psalm 107, verse 2, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, 
Whom has he redeemed from the hand of the adversary? And then last but not least, there's a whole illustration in one of the Old Testament books in Joel that Mm -hmm. he talks about redeeming everything that the locusts stole. Well, locusts, thank God we don't deal with locusts, (laughs) but I know they're somewhere. They're somewhere. People are... (laughs) In LA, I haven't personally had a problem with locusts. <laughs> it's just, you look at, we were talking about that a couple of days ago. And as we continue to wrap our minds around it, and as we start to wrap up, is focusing on the goodness of God's character. Despite what we're going through, despite how hard it is, and even in the seasons where we're like struggling with belief that God's really for us. Mm-hmm. I think that's been a really big one for a lot of my conversations lately is like focusing on the character of God and asking him to show me evidence of your goodness and your faithfulness. Amen. That's so good. I think it's really important for us not to always assume circumstances in our life or circumstances in the world are always going to seem consistent with God's character. And I think that's really hard, really hard and really painful or really difficult not to do, right? And during some of those seasons and years of my life, I would ask the Holy Spirit to help me believe it. Help me believe God was who he says he was because my life circumstances from my perspective didn't seem to show him as a God of provision Mm -hmm. or a God of healing or a God of redemption. And a lot of people live in that, right? You know, a lot of people are suffering from food scarcity and starvation and homelessness. All of those things are not evidence of who God is. They are evidence of the darkness that is in the world. So when I think about God being in control of my life, the only thing I have control of me personally is how much I lean into the Lord and how much of my life I surrender to God to have his way with. And that has really been helpful to me a lot. I don't know everything and I don't know how to even communicate some of those larger theological concepts Mm. well. No, absolutely. As we wrap up, for those of you that have stuck in this long, thank you for listening to another chat with Susanna and I. And uh, we just encourage you, if there's other episodes that have spoken to your heart, we'd love for you guys to share those. We'd love you to like, rate, review our podcast. And then I guess if you have suggestions on future shows, we'd love to hear those. So we appreciate you as listeners. We definitely could not do this without you. And um, yeah, we're just, we're praying for you as much as we love. We love chatting about the faithfulness of God and the miraculous stories that he's doing along the way. I'm over here cheering you on, friend. You just finished another episode of the Places Between podcast. If you want to access more, be sure to subscribe or visit theplacesbetween.com to learn more about our guests, episode sponsors, upcoming retreats, and more. Like Stay in the Story, a 25-day devotional all about staying in your story while you wait on your dreams, on God, and on life to come to fruition. 
And lastly, if you're looking for an online community of people who also want to transition well, then come say hi over on Instagram at the places between. As always, thanks for taking time to dive into the places between. Until next time, keep enjoying that journey.